0: To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you, but first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit. Blubber. Oddment. Tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is Which Deathly Hallow would you choose? Hello, listeners. I'm Rhea, and I'm choosing the obvious choice, the invisibility cloak. And I'm Jem, and I'm choosing the spicy choice, the elder Wand. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the stone. No one wants it. <laughs> it's bullshit. Uh, look, I went, I went on my Googling, <laughs> and I found lots of conversations online about, you know, which Deathly Hallow is the best, which one would you choose? And I only found one response that was, I want the stone and here's my reasons. Everyone else was arguing between the cloak and the wand. So I think we're fairly representative of the general discourse here. I'm just trash. Can we just trash the stone before we get started? Because it's a piece of junk. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's talk about the stone. So all it does is it wa- makes you want to kill yourself <laughs> by showing you uh, true the warning. So all it does is it makes you want to, like, kill yourself by showing you images of people that you've lost in the past. Yeah, basically. Like, no, why would I want that? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Like, obviously, I understand why Harry had that initial desire for it in the book. Like, as he said, like, obviously, he's only ever seen glimpses of his parents in, in the Mirror of Erised and in p- photographs. And there's that yearning desire in him to see his parents and stuff like that and to see Sirius again. Mm. But, oh, no, it's just when you think about it for more than five minutes and get past that initial desire, it's like, no, I don't want this. It's, it's not going to be them. It's just going to be an echo of, of them, a, a sad mimic of what that person was. So it's not good. Yeah. The stone is really that desire to see the people that you love one last time and have one last conversation with them. It's that manifest, but like obviously yeah. the cruel twist of it is that it doesn't bring people back for real. It's not like it actually you know, raises the dead. Really. It just lets you talk to them and see them again, but they're not real, so it's it's very cruel. Yeah. Uh, I think it just messes with the grieving process. It does. Like it's like um hmm. that sort of technology that's being developed where once someone dies they take all of your online presence and make like a, a facade, a robot sort of an AI of you and then it keeps posting or it are keeps you talking about a black mirror episode. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it, like <laughs> that's people that's are... black mirror. have you listened to, okay. Listen to flash forward pod guys. <laughs> there has been an episode on this recently. Rose Everleth talked about it. Um, but yeah, no, there is people developing this technology and you can see why it's an innate desire, but I would hate that. I would never want anyone to do that to my consciousness or anything. Mm. Or I would hate to talk to someone. Like if you died and then someone did that to your online presence or to any sort of text you ever sent, I would hate to talk to it. I would. It would just fucking make me so angry and upset. I wouldn't be able to talk to it. Yeah. <laughs> but for some people, they would love it. Yeah. I think it's just, it's drawing out the pain, really. So for the stone, what I was thinking, obviously it's terrible to try yeah. and bring people back permanently. Like, say Harry had the stone as a child and yeah. he tried to bring back Lily and James and have them there for his entire childhood. That would have messed him up. Oh, yeah. So, so badly. Like, that's a terrible idea that you should not do. But what about someone dies and there's some unfinished business? What about bringing them back just for a little while, just to say one final goodbye and have one one final conversation? What do you think about that idea? You'd have to be a very well-composed person when it comes to grief and death. So you have to be someone like Luna Lovegood Mm -hmm. or Dumbledore, who's so, like, even Dumbledore's a bit on edge about it. You have to be Luna Lovegood to do it. Yeah, not Dumbledore. (laughs) Dumbledore fucked this up. Yeah. (laughs) That was, like, one of his defining character traits. Yeah, yeah. If you were someone who was as emotionally and psychologically stable and accepting of grief and death as a part of life as Luna Lovegood, I think you could do it. You could have one last Mm -hmm. conversation with someone that you loved. But, wow, that's, like, a lot of self-control. Yeah. I think it's just a trap. Like you never get closure if you keep reopening that wound. And of course, you're going to keep doing it. Like the kind of, the kind of self-control that it would take to just be like, okay, one final conversation and then I'm done. And then that conversation ends and you're like, okay, I just got to talk to them one more time. I just have to see them one more time. And it goes on and on and on. It's a trap. What are you going to say that's worth bringing them back for? Like, this is some heavy topics. I know. But- once again, if you died, mm. what are the things that I would want to say to you? Like, the little shit doesn't matter. Like, things like, you know, cancel your subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> Delete my internet history. Like, yeah. that doesn't matter. That's not real. And all the big stuff, like, you know, I love you. I'm going to miss you. You I know, know, that I know that shit. And I know you know that. So yeah. what's the point? It's not like it could solve a murder as well. Like, if I was murdered and you brought me back with the resurrection stone, It's not me. It's an echo of me. So I doubt that this apparition that you see can be like, oh, yeah, it was, you know, fucking Ronald McDonald murdered me. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it wouldn't work. It's not a Pushing Daisies Mm. thing. It's just a piece of trash. (laughs) (laughs) So so this is – I was saying – was I saying this during the episode or before we started recording, that I went online and found one person who wanted the stone? (laughs) Yeah, that was during this episode. I can't remember what happened literally seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I found one person on a Quora debate. Is that how you say the website? Quora? I always say it like that. Q U O R A. Yeah. Yeah, A lady called Claire Jordan, and I'll link to the conversation, saying that the resurrection stone could be used to answer all kinds of interesting historical questions, no. get testimony from murder victims, no. and... For, like, science reasons, so you could summon the shade of an extinct animal and get a good look at what it really looked like, how it moved, what colour it was, etc. I guess. What do you think about that? Well, I think the thing is with the resurrection stone is that it doesn't bring back the person. So you couldn't ask it, like, how were you killed? It's just a thing that's trying to get you to go towards death. So it's just going to try and get you killed. Yeah. And also with the extinct animal thing, that's fascinating. But I actually, on second thought, I don't think it would work. Because I think the essence of the Resurrection Stone is it brings back things that you loved. So things that you knew in your life. So I couldn't be like, I want to see a Velociraptor to see if it had feathers or not and turn the stone three times. Because I don't think it would really work. Like, I wouldn't be able to see anything. Because I never knew and loved a Velociraptor. (laughs) Even though I do, in my heart, feel like I would. But I never met one. So (laughs) I don't think it would work like that. (laughs) You love Velociraptors, but not a specific Velociraptor that you could summon back to you. I've never known one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've never known one. I think it's, you have to have known them in life to be able to summon them back in death. I didn't think That's of that, how I think it works. but intuitively that seems right to me. Mm. It seems like the stone works on loved ones, not generally on the dead. I don't know why, but it just seems, that seems right. Isn't that in the description And Beetle the Bard, it's able to recall loved ones from the dead, or is it just to recall those from death? I just assumed that it was everyone from death. So you can summon back, like, a historical figure. But even then... Yeah. It's not actually them. You couldn't ask them insightful questions about their life because they're just shade. They're not actual people. They're not who they were. And I think with the animal thing, I I think it's like ghosts where it's like you can only call back humans, I have a feeling. No, but animal ghosts exist. Yeah, but- Remember from our ghost episode? I remember, but I just feel like the Resurrection Stone is a purely human thing. I'm not sure if that's true, but I'm willing to accept it. Yeah. And we don't know for sure. There's something that you've touched on where the people that you call back with the stone only really exist to try and convince you to kill yourself. So there's a theory, which I think is highly credible, that the shades brought back by the stone aren't really the souls of the departed. It's more like an illusion. Like they're sirens whose only purpose is just to lure you into death. Mm. So, yeah. So you can truly blame them. As, is it, as it is that's in the story. That's what happens to the, the brother, like in the tale of the three brothers, that's what happens to him. And it's kind of what happens to Harry as well. Mm. So he brings back his parents, Sirius and Lupin, to comfort him in his final moments as he's walking to his death. Yeah. And none of them make the slightest effort not to convince him to sacrifice himself. Which is out of character for Lily and James, all of them. So out of character for all of them. Uh, of all of them, like maybe Lily and Lupin are the ones that I could see like, Lily understands the, the value of sacrificing herself for those you love. Like, obviously, yeah, she, she wouldn't want Harry to do that. But I, th- I think she would understand what he's doing. And Lupin's got this young son and blah, blah, blah. But there's no way that James and Sirius aren't <laughs> going to be like, fight him. Fight him. Fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if that's true, like, the stone's just, it's garbage. It's worse than mm. useless. It's literally just a rock that tries to tell you to kill yourself. Like, what a, what a great rock. Love this rock. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. if I would only ever get the stone to, like, stomp on it. <laughs> like, that's the only reason I would choose it, just because I hate it so much. Yeet it into the ocean. Yeah. Some fish turns up three times, sees its, like, lost crab friend. It's like, <laughs> oh, God, swims straight into a net. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no good. I <laughs> have torn the stone apart. Should we talk about the Deathly Hallows in general? <laughs> Do we want to just go through them one by one? Uh, I mean, you can, I haven't, I've done no preparation for this episode, listeners, because I've been busy moving house. (laughs) Fun fact about me, I have a new house now. Congratulations. So this is my first time walking into an episode with absolutely no notes. So, um, you take it away, (laughs) Rae. You you lead the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I've walked into an episode with absolutely no notes several times. (laughs) I've been researching during episodes, (laughs) sneakily, while you're talking. So, of the two of us, Gem is the far superior host. <laughs> but this time I'm winging it. You can see what I'm like with improv now. It's going to be a wreck. Oh, we're doing pretty well so far. Ten minutes in. Haven't faulted yet until this moment. So, the Deadly Hallows. For super magic items, like, I think they're all kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're all terrible. None of them do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So, let's just go through the tale of the three brothers briefly, because... <laughs> We haven't talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick tale. Yeah. So I didn't write it down, but let's just go off it from memory. So there's three brothers walking along and they come to a river. Yeah, a big river. Along a winding road <laughs> at twilight. They come to a river that they can't cross. I and they can not know use this. A... I just know it. They can't <laughs> use their magical abilities to cross. It's too wide and all this sort of stuff. And so they use their wands to make a bridge and they go across the bridge, but then they're stopped halfway. By Death, who feels cheated that he was robbed of three victims from the river. Mm-hmm. And so, the Death is cunning, so he acts like he congratulates the brothers. And the Death offers them gifts for uh, cheating him. Mm-hmm. So, the first brother, who's very arrogant and combative, asks for a wand more powerful than any other wand, an unbeatable wand. And the Death goes to an elder tree by the riverbank, breaks off a bit of stick, gives it to the brother, here you go. The second brother, who's even more arrogant, decides to embarrass Death further and asks for a stone or some sort of item that can bring back people from death. So death grabs a stone from the riverbank, gives it to him, and tells him if he turns it three times, he'll be able to see people that have died. And then uh, the third brother, who's wisest of all the three, the youngest brother, asks for a way for him to go forth from that place to be able to evade death. And death, rather unwillingly, hands over his own cloak of invisibility. So the brothers have their own ways. The first one is an idiot. He walks into a barn. He's like, hey, I've got an unbeatable wand. Come and get it. And then he like does all this magical prowess and everyone's like, oh shit. And that night as he lays drunken, some dude comes along, slits his throat and takes the wand. Second brother goes home and he's got this stone, right? And he turns it three times and he sees this girl that he once loved, but she died before they could marry. And she's all like cold and distant, not really the girl that he remembered. And so in order to truly join her because he's so depressed at seeing her shadow, He kills himself. And that's how he dies. And then the third brother, Death can never find him. He always searches for him. He can never find him. And then one day, the third brother hands over the invisibility cloak to his younger son. And then he follows Death willingly as friends into the afterlife, as equals. That's how it ends. That's it. It is nuts that you did that from memory. (laughs) We literally just had a conversation where you're like, I haven't done any prep. And I'm like, I've done all the prep. And then (laughs) I faltered and couldn't fucking do anything. And you just recited the entire story from memory. Jem is the superior host. (laughs) I've read Beetle the (laughs) Bard out loud to myself in order to practice reading it to my children (laughs) in the future. (laughs) So I I just, I know the story. That's an insane (laughs) thing to do, but I love you. (laughs) Yes, yeah, so that's the story. That's the story of where the Deathly Hallows came from. But, of course, Dumbledore has a theory that the story is just a story and really there were just three really powerful mm-hmm. wizards who may or may not have been brothers who created really powerful magical items. I don't think they're that powerful. I just yeah, think preferable. they're just items. There's like there's way better shit mm-hmm. in the magical world than these things. But apparently, <laughs> I mean, I'm inclined to believe that they are truly made by death. See, I think that that's, I think that's true. I think it makes the most sense because they're shit and cause everyone to die. So it seems like the kind of trick exactly. that death would pull. Exactly. It seems like his usual kind of bullshit. Because they're all designed in order to eventually lead you to death. Like, I know, obviously, everyone dies eventually. Mm. It's like the Man Who ghost thing. It's like, oh, he gave me the death touch. That's the thing about the death touch. You never know when it's going to work. <laughs> He died 40 years later like (laughs) an unrelated incident. Yeah, exactly. So obviously everyone dies eventually, but all all these objects are designed in order to evade death or lead you closer to death. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all a bit of a trap, except for the cloak, because obviously that was a wise move by the third brother. But- yeah, so they're all centered around this idea of death and going further towards it. So they're kind of a, a cheat. They're a trick. Yeah, I like the idea that they maybe weren't specifically made by death, but they were made by people who were trying to evade death. They were made by, so like, some Voldemort-esque figures who just wanted to be immortal mm. no matter what, and they okay. screwed themselves over because immortality is impossible. So they made faulty items. Yeah, yeah. Stop trying to pursue immortality, you dumbasses. <laughs> Just die! Just There's accept some, it! There's always some, like, arrogant-ass men that are like, I'm gonna live forever, it's like, why? Why do you want that? Just shut up! Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. Sit down. I can't wait for the sweet release of The Grave. Nothing's gonna keep me away from that. <laughs> Like, how do you even plan out your life if you're going to be immortal? I like that I'm going to die one day. It gives me structure to my life. It gives me something to work towards. Yeah, (laughs) I have goals and I have a limited time in which to pursue those goals. Exactly. There's only so much time to see the beauty and joy and wonder of this life. If it goes on forever, I would get bored and I would spend every day watching Netflix and I'd never go outside. Right now I have to go outside because my life is passing me by. (laughs) If I don't, I'll never go outside. (laughs) Men are dumb. Anyway, minor existential crisis in this episode. (laughs) Men are dumb. Yeah. (laughs) So apparently, according to Dumbledore at least, possessing all three Deathly Hallows makes one the master of death. Mm -hmm. And stupid people like Dumbledore and Grindelwald (laughs) think that (laughs) being the master of death means that you're invincible and immortal and nobody can ever beat you in a fight and you can't be killed. Those are just, I'm repeating myself. Dumb. And also, like, maybe you can summon an army of the dead and command it. That's what Grindelwald thought. He's so stupid. Yeah, no. But Harry, the only person who actually possessed all of the items and was master of all the items, because Dumbledore had all the Hallows at one point, but he never really owned the cloak, so he was never really the master. He was just borrowing it, yeah. Yeah, and he never used the items appropriately as well, so he's not the master of death Harry technically is the master of death because he's the only one who understands that the items are in and of themselves are kind of valueless and mm. the only way to be master of death is to accept and embrace death and yeah. realize that you know it's inevitable and there's worse things in life than dying Yeah, so that's just my little speech on the master of death <laughs> shall we talk about the items now we've already done the stone All do right. you want to do the wand the wand. I mean, I have to say first and foremost, before I get started on the wand, that I'm thinking of this as like a scenario where you and I have found some kind of, you know, old casket and inside of it are these three objects and we know what they are. So we each pick up okay. the stone and do it out the window simultaneously. And then it's down to the cloak and the yep. wand. And I grab the wand and you grab the cloak. Now, Because I'm not grabbing the cloak, I'm not saying that the cloak is trash. The cloak is fucking dope, okay? Like, that's a good Mm. choice. I'm not saying it's a bad choice at all. Um, Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, it's dope. Like, the fact that you can be entirely invisible, that you get to, like, it prolongs you from death. So death, it, it makes, isn't it like a protective thing where if you wear the cloak, it keeps you safe from death, kind of? supposedly yes if you're wearing the cloak death can't get you Hmm. that doesn't actually make any sense as i'll talk about when we get to my (laughs) reasons for getting the cloak yeah but supposedly yeah death can't get you when you're wearing it that's the superstition i mean ultimately the fact is that it's harder for people to find you in the cloak. that's very that's very good like it's almost near impossible for someone to find you when you're wearing the cloak and it doesn't fray it doesn't tear it's like a perfect infallible invisible cloak that's great that's really handy Mm -hmm. I just see so many more uses for the wand because one, I can use the <laughs> wand to make myself invisible <laughs> because Dumbledore does that. Yes, <laughs> he doesn't that's need true. a cloak to be invisible. <laughs> so I can do the use of the cloak with the wand. So that's going to be one of my reasons for taking the wand because it's like two for one. Mm-hmm. I just, I have some strategies that I would use for the wand and there's like sort of like four sort of uh, labels for them. One of them is uh, get rich quick. Another is the kindly stranger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Another one is uh, just keeping it real. Okay. And another one is doing what's right. (laughs) All right. Those are four amazing labels. (laughs) I want to interrupt you and just talk a little bit about the (laughs) wand and the qualities of the wand before we get into your mad schemes. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) The wand is supposedly the most powerful wand that has ever existed, and it's able to perform feats of magic that would normally be impossible even for the most skilled wizard, such as mending another wand, like what Harry does when his wand is broken. Uh, But it doesn't just let you do anything. It is, it's not infallible, because there are things that Dumbledore never did that he should have been able to do so, not just like raising the dead and stuff, yeah. but like in second year when everyone was petrified, Dumbledore couldn't just unpetrify the them because the wand isn't perfect. Yeah, exactly. But it does have yeah. um, one really good redeeming quality: it refuses to harm or kill its master or those under its master's sacrificial protection. So that's pretty. Good. Oh, I didn't know that. Bit. Yeah, well, that's sort of what happens okay. when Voldemort can't really cast spells on anyone it's because Harry died for them, so they're under Harry's protection. So the one's right. like, oh, shit, can't help you, man. Yeah. It's not my business. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty good if you die for someone. Yeah. The one has a sort of, like, sentience a bit. And I've, I've seen that being likened yeah. to the One Ring, where it's kind of like got an evil mm-hmm. sentience But I'm not sure. I think it just has sentience. I don't think the pond is inherently evil or good. I think it's just a dude that serves its master. Yeah. I think it's just... I think it's just a wand. But I do think it's more fickle than other wands. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It's just the fact that it's been traded from master to master to master mm. and it's got this bloody history of everyone killing each other to get it. Gets around. That just seems, it seems less loyal than other wands. I'm saying this is a slutty <laughs> wand, I guess. <laughs> I guess I'm slut-shaming the elder yes. wand. Wow. Wow, okay. I don't care how many masters my wand has had in <laughs> That's in the past. The important thing is that it serves me now. <laughs> What's the Elder One's body count? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so that's my hot and unfeminist take on the Elder Wand. <laughs> the Elder One's core is the tail hair of a thestral, yeah. which means that only a witch or wizard who is truly capable of accepting death will ever be like the true master of the wand. So it it serves whoever has won it. Mm. But It's true master is someone who accepts death. Oh, me. Which is, like, just a cool piece of lore around the wand. That is me. I think that's you. I think you're pretty chill with death. Oh, I am ready to die. Like, I'm not, like, obviously I'm not, like, ready to die any second. But, like, I'm pretty chill with the fact that one day I'm going to die and I don't need to be scared of it, really. So. Yeah. I also don't believe in afterlife, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No consequences. (laughs) (laughs) So <laughs> the last like point I've got about the wand is it is a very powerful wand and it does make you stronger, but it doesn't make you invincible mm, and it yeah. doesn't guarantee that you'll win every fight. Cool. So Grindelwald has the elder wand and he straight up loses in a duel with Dumbledore. So yeah. like a more powerful, better wizard can just beat you if you've got the wand. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that the wand can't be stolen because Grindelwald stole it yeah. and that you can't be killed because you've got to sleep sometime, bitch. That's what happened to the first brother. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Here's my little factoid about the Elder one that I Googled this morning. Yep. No witch has ever claimed to own the Elder one. Yes. According to Dumbledore in his notes in the Beetle the Bard Mm. storybook. That's right. So that to me doesn't seem like that no witch has ever had it before. It just seems like women aren't dumb. <laughs> no, which, because I'm- there are times when the stone has dropped not the stone the wand has dropped out of history and nobody knew where it was yeah. but then it resurfaces yeah. under another name the death stick or something like that yeah always whenever anyone knows- which is by the way a stupid name yeah, for of course whenever anyone knows who has the wand it's always a man that has it <laughs> because he's always yeah. boasting about that it. that makes sense or doing evil malicious deeds with it and so everyone's like yeah that's probably the older one but I'm guessing that there's probably been yeah. some witches throughout history who had this wand and just weren't idiots about it. <laughs> like Ron said. Just kept their mouths <laughs> shut. Yeah, like Ron said, you don't have to walk into a bar and be like, I got the Elder one, come get me if you think it's hard enough. Like, <laughs> you just have to just be smart about it. <laughs> that, that makes sense. I'm happy to accept that as a valid head Better dumb. Okay, continue. Uh, so <laughs> and I've, if listeners might notice, I'm not a man. So I might, have <laughs> statistically and historically, I have a better chance of being able to hold on to this wand and be smart about it than if I were a man. So, <laughs> this, yeah. is so un- this is so unfeminist right now, but I'm going with it because it supports my argument. I know. Well, I've already slut-shamed the wand, so I think this is our anti-feminist episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yikes. <laughs> so, did you want to say anything about the cloak before I get started on my, my mad schemes? No, because the cloak's obviously the superior choice, so I think we'll end on the cloak. Okay. So, (laughs) scheme number one, my get-rich-quick scheme. Alright. So, I come across this Elder Wand. This wand is notable because it can do powerful magic, and especially because it can mend broken wands. So, here's what I'm gonna do. Yep. Break everyone else's wand. (laughs) (laughs) Harry's wand, when it's broken in (laughs) half, it's irreparable by wand law by olivander he says that's irreparable by a simple reparo charm it can't be fixed all that sort of stuff that's olivander's opinion Mm -hmm. okay so the wizarding world is kind of bogus because you got a bunch of children and adults running around with essentially rulers (laughs) that are full of magical energy yeah and you cannot tell me that there aren't some dumbass thirteen-year-olds with their wands at Hogwarts just drumming them on everything, because Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> during the movies, broke I think what was it like sixty wands, just like drumming them on books and like stuff, because <laughs> he's a, like a teenager, just being yeah. a typical teenage boy, being a teenager who's like just fucking thinking and then tapping their wand on stuff. People are breaking their wands all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Also, in the books, people are constantly storing their wands, like, up their sleeves, yeah. in their pockets. Like, they're hmm. just sticks. It's so easy yeah. to snap a stick. It's so like- easy. So, here's my business plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, once I acquire this Eldermund, I'm going to get myself studied up in wandlore. I'm going to travel uh, to all corners of the world, mm-hmm. learn from the best wand makers. I'm going to make this part of my resume. So, I'm going to establish myself as a great, like, one more person that's gone and traveled and, like, learned from the best and all this sort of stuff. And I'm going to start my business and I'm going to specialize in uh, fixing very problematic wands that have been broken beyond seemingly repair. <laughs> so, someone's going to bring in, like, mm-hmm. you know, their, their 12-year-old kid broke their wand clean in half because they crashed into a tree. Um <laughs> And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, this is going to be a really tough job, but I've learned a special technique from, like, Peru. And uh, I think mm-hmm. that if you give me about – secret technique. I think if you give me about three weeks, um, I could probably fix this so that it's back to normal. In the meantime, you can – here, yeah, I've got some w- wands on loan. You can rent out a wand, and uh, I'll have it back to you in three weeks. I take it back to my storeroom, repair with my <laughs> elder wand. I put the wand in the special <laughs> box, keep it safe. Three weeks later, they come back. I'm like, yeah, it was a long process. Um, I used a lot of special resins and stuff. I like even cleaned it for you and all this stuff, but it's done. I get my galleons, and I, I'm set up for business. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think I'll be found out? Okay. <laughs> okay i love how many steps you've taken to hide the fact that you have the elder wand because when you started with i'm gonna travel the world learn wand law i'm like you don't even need to harry doesn't know shit about wands and he just casts repair and fixes it but you're clever I'm clever you're not <laughs> you're a woman <laughs> thinking with that witch frame. <laughs> You're clever and you're trying to hide the fact that you just have a super powerful wand and don't need to know shit to do anything. I'm happy to study one law. It seems interesting anyway. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> yeah. In the Hogwarts mystery game, like of all the possible careers that it offers you, wand maker is the only one that's really, really mm. appealing to me. So I, hey, if I was a witch in the wizarding world, maybe I would want to be a wand maker. Maybe that's a pretty cool profession. Seems interesting. I might be breaking the glass ceiling a bit because as far as we know, the wand makers are all dusty old men that have been around since BC times. So if they're like, oh, this young witch who's repairing wands beyond repair, it's impossible. I'll be like, is it old man? (laughs) Or am I just got new techniques (laughs) for the modern age? (laughs) Have I just done my research? (laughs) I do think that you are... By specializing in wand making, you're putting a bit of a target on mm-hmm. your back. Because as we know, the people who know shit about wands are the wand makers. They're the ones who pass the stories. They know shit about the Elder Wand. Yeah, they pass the stories of the death of yeah. uh, the, um, the Elder Wand amongst themselves. Yeah. They are the ones who know what it is, know what it looks like, are on the lookout for it. It's a risky game. Yeah, if you're walking around with the Elder Wand in your hand and doing magic that... Everybody else, by all of their centuries of knowledge, should be impossible. Mm. I think people are going to be asking questions. They're going to be asking questions, but I'm just going to say, look, I've learned a lot from around the world. You've been here since BC times, just in one country. I've traveled all over the world and learned from professionals in every corner of the globe, and I've come up with my own techniques that I'm keeping a secret for business reasons. (laughs) But it's nothing nefarious. It's just good practice and scholarship. I think you would have people gunning for you. Yeah. But I think you're smart enough that you could pull it off. Also, I think- So it's a good scheme. I think, like, obviously the only people that would really be gunning for me would be other wand makers like Ollivander or Grigorovich and stuff like that who repair wands. But are they really going to try and kill me if they suspect that I somehow have the Elder Wand? No. Are they going to try and kill me for it? Or are they just going to come and ask questions and try and, like, snoop around? And I'll be like, look, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't know. I don't think that they try and kill someone. Look, that maker Gregorovich, he got the wand somehow, and he was the master of it because Grindelwald had to disarm him in order to get it. Mm, That is true. So he got it off somebody somehow. He is an old man, though. (laughs) I'm young and strong. Push him down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) He could suffer a fall at any time. I think it's risky, (laughs) but I think you could mitigate that risk. Yeah. It's my, this is my riskiest strategy, yeah. but I, I think it's, it's viable. The only other qualm that I have with it, I guess, is how much are you charging to repair wands? Because if it's more than the price of a new wand, I'm guessing that most people are going to go with the new wand. Actually, now that I'm saying that, a wand is a highly sentimental item. Mm. I think I might pay more than the price of a new wand to get my wand repaired. If it was the one that shows you when you're eleven, it's very special. It's, and even if it's like a sentimental, yeah. in terms of this was my father's wand and now it's mine, and I have to take care of it. And fuck, mm. I broke it. Yeah, there's a lot of impetus. So I actually, like, yeah, I would be kind of philanthropic with it. I wouldn't charge as much as a new wand. I would just charge like seventy uh, percent of what it is to buy a new wand because I think the demand is high enough that people are breaking their wands all the time that they would still pay it mm. <laughs> rather than get a new wand. Yeah, I think that makes and sense. And besides, I'd have other... We where, do see several wands get broken. Yeah. I would have other business too. I wouldn't just be repairing beyond, like, wands beyond repair. I would also be doing, like, just general services. Cleaning wands, you know, selling wands, you know, wand law, stuff like that. Mm. I'd just be having my own business, but this would just be a special thing. A special thing that I offer. And those who know, know. Yeah. Something that sets you apart and makes you stand out from all the other wand makers. Yeah. Wands for the new age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 How are you new age magicians <laughs> new age witches uh, so yeah i think it's a solid business I think that's a good strategy but it is risky but yeah fuck i'd be rich can you imagine <laughs> i'm buying so many fucking cats like <laughs> i'm buying i'm going to on holidays like oh man is that what you would do with lots of money buy several cats i'd buy lots of pets yeah I'd buy lots of pets Okay, I'd, good. Go, I'd go on holiday once a year and then I'd like invest the rest I guess donate the rest and invest it like that's all uh, I would we want we have such lofty plans for riches <laughs> I don't want garish gold shit no I just want like a good company of dogs and cats and then good travel times with my friends and loved ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah that seems solid yeah so that's my get rich quick scheme <laughs> would you like to hear another <laughs> I, c- I could go another i could take a sip of another scheme (laughs) uh the next one i call the kindly stranger Mm -hmm. so as we discussed in the second book when there's students being petrified dumbledore can't do shit yeah he can't save them with his elder wand but that doesn't make me think that there aren't some illnesses that are very hard to treat or almost near impossible to treat and to cure that the elder wand couldn't really assist with yeah i think that there are definitely some illnesses like maybe Vanishing Sickness or Dragon Pox, which we know in the 20s, Tina and Queenie's parents died of Dragon Pox, mm-hmm. but maybe in the 90s it's like fixed, do not it? Yeah. I definitely think that there are probably some illnesses that the Elder Wand could heal, or at least like lessen the terrible consequences of. So, Well, it makes regular magic more powerful and it makes you capable of magic that you wouldn't be able to do. Mm. So it makes sense that it would up your healing ability. Yeah. At least where spells are concerned because i feel like a lot of healing is potions and ointments Mm. and things like that Mm -hmm. and i don't know how much powerful wand work is going to help you in those departments okay well i'm just trying to think like there's got to be something that i can cure so i do tests to see what i can cure with the elder wand and like if i get a good idea of like okay these are some diseases that i can absolutely cure these are some things that i can lessen the effects of i would set myself up as a healer Like I would study like potion making and healing and then I would just like, you know, get a job at St. Mungo's or be like more of a rural healer where I go out to people that can't get to the city or something like that, like a Doctors That Borders sort of thing. And I would just go around and help people. Kindly stranger. Yeah, that sounds great. Much more philanthropic than your first idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Much less money for me, much more goodwill for others. Oh, I think you could still make money off this. I could if I wanted to, but honestly, I'd feel bad. Like, if I healed someone of- Healthcare should be free. Uh, yeah. If I, like, healed someone of a near-death illness and then I was like, all right, 20 galleons, please, I, I wouldn't want to take it, honestly. Mm. Like, as long as I can earn a living wage where I can still travel around comfortably and help people, I am i don't think I need exorbitant amounts of money. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first scheme, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's my second scheme. Okay, solid. That was my third one. Just keeping it real. Yeah, that was it. Just keeping it real so <laughs> third scheme you have such amazing <laughs> scheme names thank you the third <laughs> scheme is called just keeping it real and this involves i just live my life i just do what i want to do like i i get a job i travel i get a family i settle down i just live my life but i just have this this cute little secret <laughs> <laughs> Which is that I I'm mostly it's exceptional fun and sexy secret. I'm mostly exceptional in almost any magic that I do. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Dumbledore method. Yeah, I keep it to myself. I mean, except Dumbledore stands out because he is like a headmaster of the only school in Britain, so he stands out. Yeah, he was also an incredibly powerful wizard before he got the wand, so it wasn't that much of mm. a surprise when he just became more and more powerful as he grew older. I don't know, like, I think I'd be pretty good at school, so I might be, like, a, a top A student, but I don't think I would be, like, you know, super exceptional. Eh, I disagree. I think you're pretty good. Yeah, but I I don't imagine I'd come from a pure-blood family as well, so I wouldn't be noticed as much in terms of that aspect. Probably. I'd be like a Hermione, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> I work really hard and I get really good grades, but I'm, no one really knows who I am unless yeah. they... Hermione, the least conspicuous person in the world. No one's ever heard of Hermione. I mean, in the books it's different because she's associated with Harry Potter, but I wouldn't be associated <laughs> with that brat. I'd be like having my own cool friends. I don't get people killed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hang out with this weird Gryffindor. Typhoid Mary over there. No, thank you. Anyway, um, so I just live my life and I just have this great, you know, little secret that all my housework so much easier like obviously it's easier to do housework with a wand anyway but with the elder wand i imagine it's like 10 times easier Mm. you know i can just perform charms really well i just have this great little ability and also it's a good protective measure like if i ever feel like i'm in an an unsafe situation like if i'm ever walking down a street and you know there's a dark figure approaching me and they try to mug me or something I just have a, I can just cast a huge Protego charm. They get knocked on their bum. I right away. Like it's no, like it really minimizes my, my danger feelings. I can't talk. It really minimizes my um, <laughs> capacity. Your spidey sense for danger. <laughs> no, it, it minimizes the risk that I'll, you know, get killed by a random act of crime because obviously I'm not good at fighting in real life. So I think that my least good abilities would be combative magic, like dueling. If I was in the Wizarding World, yeah, so I only just use it for self-defense situations. I'm not going to be dueling people just for the kicks. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're not interested in being like an aura or anything no. like that. That no. s- some sort of fighting career. No, I'm much more interested in like I don't know a diplomatic career or a writing career or something like that. Like <laughs> desktop. Yeah. <Dusk job>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most powerful desk witch in the world. (laughs) She's so fucking good at that desk job. Like, I can't (laughs) believe it. (laughs) Yeah, that's just living my life and not telling anyone, not even the people that I care about the most. Because who knows? The only way to keep a secret is if you don't tell anyone ever. Even like, obviously, I trust people in my life. But who knows? Under torture, they could spill the beans. Like, I don't want to risk that. I'm so hurt that you wouldn't tell me, but also why do you think someone's going to torture me for your secrets? Or even if like, you know, they get really drunk one night or they just can't help but like tell their significant other because like they share everything with each other. You know, mm. you just, the best way to keep a secret is to never tell anyone, lock it up in a little box inside of you, bury it deep down and then one day you'll die. And That's how it goes. Yep. that is the best way to keep a secret Mm. (laughs) and our listeners don't know this but Jem is so secretive about just everything all the time (laughs) trying to talk to her is like trying to beat your head against a wall and psychically get the information (laughs) I remember once when you were coming to visit our family home for Christmas but I kept it a secret from everyone for like a year because you had to have me as like an interlocutor to help like organize space and organize plane tickets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, to make sure everyone was in the house and stuff like that. Yeah. But I kept it a secret for a year. No one knew. Yeah. That was such a surprise. Everyone was so shocked. Yeah. Oh, that Christmas that I made mum cry. I'm like a lockbox. (laughs) You are so good at keeping Yeah. (laughs) Mum and dad came to visit me recently and we were just comparing (laughs) information that we know (laughs) because we both have... Like, mum, dad, and I all have pieces of the puzzle that is Gem. (laughs) And when we combine our pieces, we get some of the picture. (laughs) Not even close to all of it, but we get like a little bit more than we would have otherwise. That's so funny. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay, so fair enough. Yeah. What's your fourth and final scheme? My fourth and final scheme is to do what's right. So we're in this, you know, this space, you and I, we, we open the <laughs> casket and there's the three objects. We instantly yeet the stone out the window. Then I pick up the wand and I snap him off. Oh, I thought for some reason I was so sure you're going to be like, and I kill you, Ria. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> thing that's right. <laughs> and I take all of the objects. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> it doesn't seem like doing what's right, but I don't know. Maybe I'm a great evil that just needs to be stopped. <laughs> 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 nah, I do what's right by the world, you know, you know what they say, absolute power, corrupts absolutely, and all that sort of stuff. Even though the old one is not absolute power, but to think of all the lives and all the people that have had each other apart over this moment, and it's just nothing, it's just a piece of plastic, it's just, you can break it in half. <laughs> uh, oh, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd just snap uh. it in half. The wisest people of our age, Harry Potter and Katie Heron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the Harry Potter method. Like, I think it's a pretty good method, Yeah, <laughs> frankly, but I don't really want the wand, so it doesn't matter to me if it's broken. Mm. But at least that way you get rid of the the constant mm. worry that someone's going to find out you've got this wand and someone's going to want it and they're going to want it badly enough to try and kill you. And you don't have to keep this terrible secret from everyone in your it's life. not terrible. <laughs> but yeah sure Um, (laughs) it's nothing compared to all my other secrets (laughs) exactly but I think it's also good with this method just snapping in half the Katie Heron method it's also good because I constantly have the high road I'm constantly the better person throughout (laughs) the rest of my life if anyone ever ever is like oh I did a good thing today like I you know I helped an old lady cross the street I'd be like oh yeah I snapped the old one in half get fucked (laughs) (laughs) i'm so good (laughs) going straight to the good place (laughs) i did the magical equivalent of global nuclear disarmament all by myself and i could have had all that power and i just threw it away i'm the best person who's ever lived honestly that's such a great little little card to play (laughs) imagine putting that on my resume who wouldn't hire me (laughs) (laughs) i knew i knew as soon as you said the high road that there was going to be no what was the name of the strategy doing the right thing Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. I knew as soon as you said that there was gonna be some sort of little twist, some sort of little self-serving end to this. There's no way that you just do the right thing and have no benefit from it. I'd write a book, man. Like I would write a book in which the star <laughs> I find the older wand and it's like it branches up, like I pick it up and I start using it and I keep it in my life and it gets all like amazing, but then it gets all scary and it ends in disaster and then it goes back at the beginning. And it's all just me thinking of how this wand would ruin my life or make it better. And then the book ends with me actually picking up the wand and snapping it in half. Can you imagine? New York Times bestseller. Everyone's like, whoa, it's like <laughs> the pardoner's tale, but it's like so real. <laughs> like... <laughs> and, like, and, and then I'd be like, guess what, guys? It's a true story. <laughs> I have the two pieces here. You can see it. And no one can ever repair them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story you want proof that this story is real just find my sister but you can't because she's invisible and no one knows where she is <laughs> hasn't been seen for years that's a good segue is that how you're going to use the cloak <laughs> just be constantly <laughs> invisible no that's stupid <laughs> uh, I, I really love the idea that we just found these things in a tomb and decided to divide them up equally one goes in the bin, one goes to each of us. <laughs> Trash. <sighs> okay, so I've heard your reasons, the things that you would use the wand for, and frankly, none of them have impressed me that much. <laughs> sure, there are various things you could do with this wand, but frankly, like, I just don't get what's so good about it. Mm. Maybe it's because I'm not a wizard and I don't have a wand and I don't have, like, a good intuitive understanding of how they work. But to me, it seems like any wand should do you fine. Like, just get a wand that's good for you, and that's fine. Yeah. You don't need more powerful magic. You've already got regular power. No, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I just was drawn to the fact of what can I use it for? Because the cloak has pretty much one use. <laughs> um, whereas the wand pretty has much, yeah. endless uses, and including the use of the cloak. So I was just like, yeah, it's rather like endless opportunities for power and success or disaster. Or one use, one use only, very safe option. Yeah, and you know, I, I wanted, to, I wanted that bit of spice, bit of spice alive. Of yeah, my mind was so blown when I when I pitched this episode topic, and immediately you're like, oh yeah, I choose the wand. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Are you insane? <laughs> the cloak, the cloak, a lot of pussy. <laughs> but like, not a a, pussy, Rhea. I know <laughs> that's such the difference between us. Like, you've got all these worldly ambitions and things that you want to do. I just want to sit in my house (laughs) and not be dead until it's time. Then I will be dead. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't, I don't, the stone's useless and I don't see the appeal of the wand. So by virtue of there's only three options, I end up with the cloak. I don't particularly want the cloak, (laughs) but it's the least crap of all the items. Oh, why not? Well. The cloak's great. If I have to choose between the cloak and two other terrible items, obviously I choose the cloak. And if I have to choose between the cloak and nothing, then that's fine. But if I had to choose between the cloak and, like, a billion (laughs) dollars, I'd go the billion. I'd choose the cloak and steal the billion. (laughs) I suppose. Punch the guy who's making me the deal and take his wallet. (laughs) Because then you get (laughs) both. And then you've got a guy who's after you, but he can't find you because you're invisible. So, yeah. Exactly. I think it's the best... (laughs) Mostly by virtue of the fact that it's the one that's not going to get you killed. And it's the only one that actually does what's advertised. That's true. And it also, Mm. the cloak appeals to me because it has the least potential to cause harm to yourself and others. Mm. So you're going to spend the rest of your life looking over your shoulder, worried that some wand maker's heard about the Elder Wand that is going to come for you. What makes you think I don't do that already? And (laughs) I know (laughs) that's just how you live. That's (laughs) not how I live. And also, as we said, power corrupts. Like, you you don't know. You could start as the kindly stranger and end up as the world's most frightening dictator. But, like, how am I going to use the cloak to hurt people? Stab them, I guess, while I'm invisible.
1: <laughs> yeah, there so, you go.
0: <laughs> it took you two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I did think of a way. You could fake your own death and watch people cry at the funeral. <laughs> you could stab someone from behind. You could pretend to be a ghost and spook people out. You could steal items. You could... <laughs> like, this is just the top of my head. Okay. Of all those things off the top of your head, only one of them was something that I thought I would actually do with the cloak. Guess which one it was. The funeral one? No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? I Nothing, want to- I just wanted to be controversial. It was obviously the stealing one, right? <laughs> okay good <laughs> at least you got that much sense <laughs> yeah so let's just talk about the cloak for a minute so it makes you invisible but it doesn't make you undetectable harry's mm. caught with his cloak on all the damn time mm-hmm. he can still be heard and felt and yeah. smelt and yep. tasted I, I probably <laughs> and like there's also that part in the seventh book where he operates with hermione and ron under the cloak into that area mm-hmm. and the big charm kind of charm isn't it goes off yeah so i'm, I'm assuming like the cloak itself is infallible to charms and spells that just bounce off it, but you're not. Yes. So if you cast, like, *Homenum and mm-hmm. like, detecting person, I think you'd be able to hex someone. Through. Yeah, so that's right. Um, so here's what I've got in the Cloak of Invisibility. Yeah. It is resistant to jinxes, hexes, and other spells which would normally damage, otherwise render a normal invisibility cloak ineffective. So the cloak itself mm. can't be torn or destroyed You can wear it through the Thieves' Downfall in Gringold. In Gringold? What is Gringold? (laughs) In Gringotts. (laughs) Yeah. And the cloak will still keep you invisible. It won't stop working. Yeah. Whereas a regular invisibility cloak will fade and be damaged and just stop working with time. Mm Mm-hmm. The cloak itself is resistant to spell damage, but it doesn't shield you, the wearer, from spells that are targeted at you personally. Mm -hmm. So that's why Harry, um, that's why Draco is able to petrify Harry while he's still wearing the cloak. Yeah. 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 And he's been been hit by spells at various points while wearing the cloak. So the cloak doesn't protect you. It just makes you invisible. Mm. And it also doesn't hide you from detection that is not based on optical sight. So uh, Mad-Eye Moody's magical eye can see see you. Creatures such as Dementors that sense you without eyes can also see you. Well, Mm -hmm. not see you. They can find you while you're wearing the cloak. Uh, Mrs. Norris the cat can smell you and hear you because she knows you're there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spells such as the homonym revealio, the human presence revealing spell, Mm -hmm. and objects like the Marauder's Map or like a sneaker scope or a faux glass. Yep would probably also be able to tell that you're there. Yeah. So actually like fun little fact, that's how Albus Dumbledore already always knows where Harry is even when he's wearing the invisibility cloak because he just casts the hominum revelio spell whenever he suspects that Harry's there. <laughs> oh, that's sick. That's funny as. Yeah, so like in the in the second book when they're all at Hagrid's hut while Hagrid's about to get dragged off to Azkaban yeah. and Dumbledore like makes a loud announcement that is clearly for the benefit of Harry. He knew he was there because he was casting non-verbal magic. Cool. That's just a cool little mystery that's been solved after all these years. Yeah. So the idea that you can wear the cloak and be protected from death, yeah. that's not true because you can still be hit with spells. If someone casts a Nevada Kavada at you and you're wearing the cloak, the cloak yeah. will not stop the spell. And you can still be seen and detected through various methods. So it's not Mm. infallible. Like the guilt that Dumbledore had because he borrowed the cloak on the night that Harry's parents were murdered. The guilt that Dumbledore had where it's like, oh, if James and Lily had had the cloak, maybe you would have been protected or they would have been protected. I don't think they would have. Because Voldemort knew that they were there. Yeah, And I'm sure he could have found some way to detect them if they were wearing the cloak. So yeah, I was thinking like, you know, maybe throw the cloak into the crib and be like, you know- Harry's not here. We already put him through the flu network. You'll never find him. But like, as if the baby's going to start crying, yeah. or Voldemort's just going to be like, "Let me check." <laughs> <men in> <laughs> um, there's three yeah. people here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm not going to take your word for it, Lily yeah. and James Potter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like maybe James could have been like, you know. I'll hold him off, you get the cloak and Harry and just leave, just go, yeah. hide. Yeah. Maybe. There's a chance, but I don't think so. Mm. Ultimately, I think things still would have played out the same Yeah. if James had had the cloak with him on that day. Mm. So that's sad. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have, like, a strong argument for why I would use the cloak, so much as I think the wand and the stone are both fool's errands, so the cloak is what I've been left with. <laughs> you got a point. <laughs> Should I use my invisibility for good or, or evil? for evil? I would think I would use the invisibility cloak for almost every week, at least like three times a week, movies. I would just walk into the movies. I'd never pay attention to a yes. movie ever. Yeah. The main things that I wrote I would do with the cloak is get out of awkward conversations, number one. <laughs> I don't think you can get <laughs> out of like, them. <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom and then you just leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom. Then you put on the cloak and then you just go. And they're like, I guess they disappeared into the bathroom dimension. (laughs) No further questions. You know how you get out of an awkward conversation if you don't choose the cloak and you choose the uh, elf wand? Kill them? (laughs) You obliviate them. (laughs) (laughs) No. You obliviate them and then they forget that they ever started the conversation. So they don't catch up with you later and be like, oh, about that time that I was (laughs) asking about that thing. And then you have to do the invisibility thing again. Yeah. (laughs) A better way to get out of awkward conversations is, like, wear the cloak before the conversation begins. <laughs> oh, here comes Chatty Sue. Here comes Chatty Sue, who always wants to talk to me. Better put on this cloak and walk right past her. Mm. Done. Yeah. I'm a genius. I would also use the cloak to steal stuff, mm-hmm. because obviously. Yeah. And sneak into movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I could I could stab people, I guess, but like I don't really want to hurt anyone. No, yeah. Except for a select few people, and it would be very obviously me if I did hurt them because yeah. I've publicly stated my desire to have them stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> and I I definitely wouldn't use it to like follow people around and hear their conversations, no, like creepy. Harry does constantly creepy i i'm barely interested in what people are saying when i'm part of the conversation <laughs> i don't need to hear them the rest of the time yeah i've been shooting out half this episode <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> i just want to like go into places i'm not supposed to be and take stuff that i can't afford <laughs> yeah i could walk walk around at night and not worry that i will be taken like in the movie taken starring liam neeson thanks for clarifying um (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, like that would be also what i'd use it for it would come in handy if you ever did need to you know solve a crime or a mystery not a crime but like if if there was some sort of mystery that came up in your life (laughs) something that you needed to be a bit sneaky for it would just be the ultimate, yeah. like, oh, I can just, sit, like, stand over their shoulder while they're typing their password into their computer. It's very useful for things like that. Yeah. But I, that probably comes up maybe twice in your Potter lifetime, method. where you need to do something sneaky for some nefarious reason. Exactly. Yeah. And also, like, I've done that before mm. and not needed to be sneaky. Like, at the first job I ever worked at, I was in, like, a supermarket-type place, and I was on the... um cashier yeah. thing cash yeah. register thank you i <laughs> forgot the word and within two days of working there i'd learned the code to the safe that only the owner <laughs> yeah. of the store was supposed to know because like i just know things yeah. i just A i have my way <laughs> so i don't really like invisibly cloaks good but yeah yeah i just pay attention be unobtrusive so the cloak is i guess most helpful because it just extends my ability to do the shit that i already do which is avoid <laughs> awkward conversations yeah steal things think into movies <laughs> classic Rhea behavior <laughs> so yeah that would be like it's it's just a little life hack having a cloak that's it's that's what it is whereas having the elder wand is like a life yeah extender i guess if you wanted to like <laughs> amplifier a life amplifier a life amplifier, that's better. I think the cloak's more likely to extend your life <laughs> than the wand. I the know, wand's a big target on your back. Yeah, only if you boast about it. I'm not a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. The only good use for the stone that I could think of was definitely not bringing back my loved ones, but like, maybe be one of those celebrity psychics and scam grieving people out of their money. Oh, I hate those people. Yeah, I know. If I wanted to be, like, one of the worst people that exist on the earth, oh, that would be the a worst. good use of the stone. If you took the stone and did that shit, I'd use the wand to kill you. <laughs> like, I would. <laughs> fuck. Good luck finding me. I'm invisible. That's right. I put on the cloak and then went outside and found that stone we yeeted through oh. the window. Ah. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> no, the only thing I'd use a stone for besides chucking it in the trash would be, like, I don't know, decoration. <laughs> decoration. <laughs> like- a paperweight (laughs) Uh, i we've already talked about this but like i was thinking maybe i could offer it to people who have lost loved ones been like you can have this but only for an hour and then i will take it back but i feel like that's gonna get me killed they're gonna kill you yeah it's just terrible it's just i just put it in a river it's not good break it with an axe (laughs) yeah so yeah, so yeah, I'm glad exactly. that we we ended this episode as we began by trashing the resurrection stone. Piece of shit. <laughs> Actually, it would be good for a prank. Sorry. It's one last thing. <laughs> the resurrection stone. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. I've got something to say. Okay. You go. The resurrection stone might be fun for a prank if you put it in a bag of rock candy, and then you give the rock candy to your friend, and they <laughs> chow down in it, and they're like, ah, this is an actual rock, and they toss it away. That's the only fun thing you could do with it. You know what you could also do that with, though? What? A regular rock. A rock. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A rock that doesn't make people want to kill themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Far superior rock. So, the other big use for the invisibility cloak that I can see is pranking people, like throwing mm. mud at Malfoy when mm. you're invisible. Yeah. I just wanna clarify that I would never use it for that. <laughs> if I'm going to be in this is the first and... prank listeners. <laughs> I would never prank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best prank is to, to tell other people all the time. <laughs> No, we do. Okay. <laughs> Alright, let's clarify. So we have an ongoing prank. This is a very recent one actually. Yeah. Where last Christmas our maternal grandmother got me a terrible awful pillow with like the pillowcase is like this picture of this weird sad kitten with a Christmas hat on it. And I'm like, I don't want this garbage in my house. So I took the pillowcase and I hid it in Jem's suitcase. So she took the pillowcase home. And then recently my parents came to visit and after they left, I found the pillowcase once more in my home. Where was it hidden? It was hidden inside of an oven mitt in a drawer. So I didn't find it until I was making myself some delicious oven food. Excellent. And I was... I told dad to hide it well. Yeah. It (laughs) took all the good flavor out of my oven meal. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an ongoing prank. Like for the next, I imagine, 50 years, we're going to keep sending this pillowcase back and forth between each other. I'm putting it in your grave. <laughs> when you die oh. before me. <laughs> it's going in the grave. <laughs> oh my God. Now I can't die until after you. Damn it. That was my main goal. <laughs> die before you. <laughs> exactly. Fuck. You ruined it for me. You have made my death sour. Anyway. Those are the kind of pranks that I like to do. Simple things that are just fun. Yeah. Like neither of us... Care about this pillowcase? It's not hurting anyone. Pranks such as turning myself invisible and like haunting someone, or throwing mud at them, or you know, stealing their stuff—like that's just childish shit that I would never do. Mm. So I can't think of a prank that I would want to do that the cloak would enable me to do that I wouldn't do otherwise. Like I could use the cloak to sneak into your house and hide the pillowcase there, but realistically, next time I come to visit, I'm just going to hide the pillowcase there. I don't need the cloak. Yeah. Like, the one prank that I've done that's on that level of childish pranks, I did when I was an actual child, which was hilarious. I convinced yeah. two girls from my primary school that there was a cursed mirror in the toilets on the oval, <laughs> and they, they the said Bloody Mary in the mirror, that Bloody Mary would appear. And I told them this in the morning, because I knew they always hung out there at lunch. And so at lunchtime, at the beginning of lunch, I went into the toilet and hid there and then when they came in and did the Bloody Mary thing, I jumped out from the cubicle screaming and banging on the walls. And they were so terrified. <laughs> that was the funniest thing I've ever done. <laughs> but <laughs> imagine how much funnier that would be if you had a cloak. So you stood behind them and then just when they did it and they waited a few seconds, like, oh, it didn't work. You pull off the cloak and scream. <laughs> no, don't pull off the cloak. Just scream. <laughs> That's even better. And they never know it's you. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the kind of shit that while amusing i would never do because it is childish and it's only acceptable for children to behave that way i am just i'm very anti-prank like i've i've taken a hard stance against pranks in the last few months i don't know why we pay ross geller (laughs) that's a niche friends reference yes it is but there you go when does ross ross hate pranks (laughs) Rachel does a bunch of pranks on him and he talks about how he hates pranks because they're mean and cruel. And then Ben starts doing pranks on him because Rachel babysits Ben and teaches him, like, pranks and Ben does the pranks on him and Ross is like, I hate this. And Rachel's like, I'm so sorry. And then at the end of the episode, Ross and Ben prank Rachel by, like, pretending that Ross fell down the stairs, but really it's just a dummy and Rachel thought that he died. Yeah. Ross, the, Ross the always episode. goes overboard like the pranks that Rachel were doing were like make somebody have a line down their face yeah with a penny and Ross is like what if I pretend to kill myself <laughs> but, <laughs> Ross is the worst friend yeah but I do agree with his stance like pranks are cruel and mean and I don't know how we've gotten onto this topic anyway <laughs> anyway we should wrap it up <laughs> It's fine for children to do pranks, such as Ben Geller, Ross's child. It is not good for adults to do pranks, such as Ross Geller, the worst person. <laughs> Terrible human being. That's what you should take away from this episode, listeners. It was really a treatise on pranks and why they are bad. <laughs> well, I have been Jem and I'm getting rich quick with the Elder one. <laughs> I've been Rhea and you'll never see me ever again. I am out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Podcast Nine and Three Quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at nine and three quarters podcast at gmail.com, find us on Tumblr, Facebook and Instagram at podcast nine and three quarters, or talk to us separately on Twitter. Rhea is at SmashMathRhea and Jem is at Jem underscore just Jem please feel free to send theories or ask questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the sea just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Wings Corgi. Find more of our art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com This week's intro music was The Deathly Hallows by Alexandre Pla and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time.